The inquiry into the Nova Scotia mass shooting released partial recordings of a tense RCMP meeting uh, yesterday. The meeting goes back uh, a long ways, but the recording was released at last yesterday that had been at the center of allegations of political interference into that investigation. In the call, Commissioner Brenda Lucky of the RCMP said a minister's office requested information about the type of guns used in the massacre that killed 22 people, Canada's worst mass shooting back in Nova Scotia, that that information about the kinds of guns used be released. Now, the meeting was held just 10 days after 22 people were shot and killed. Um, And it has been at the center of accusations that the Prime Minister's office and then Public Safety Minister Bill Blair interfered politically with the RCMP's operations because of pending Liberal government gun legislation. I'll set this up for you. What you're about to hear is Commissioner Brenda Lucky in that April 28th phone call in 2020 with members of H Division in Nova Scotia. It is after a press conference in which she makes, in which the makes and models of the guns and the shootings weren't mentioned in the prepared remarks, but did come up during the reporter's questions after. The commissioner who had asked for those uh, makes and models to be included in, in the prepared remarks was not impressed. Does anybody realize what's going on in the world of handguns and guns right now? The fact that they're in the middle of trying to get a legislation going, the fact that that legislation is supposed to actually help police, and the fact that the very little information I asked to be put in speaking notes at around 11.30 this morning uh, is when I started this, which was three or more hours before Darren was to speak, could not be accommodated. RCMP Commissioner there, Brenda Lucky, back in April of 2020, April 28th to be exact, 10 days after the worst mass shooting in Canadian history. You be the judge. It certainly sounds like the commissioner is citing the federal government's pending legislation as the reason why the makes and models of the guns used in that mass shooting should be made public by the RCMP in that province. Now, the prime minister was asked about this yet again today. You should know the opposition are calling for both Brenda Lucky and uh, former public safety minister Bill Blair to step down. He says his government never pressured police on the matter. But every step of the way, we recognized and supported the fact that the RCMP and police of jurisdiction are the ones who decide what is released and when. All right. So Michael Scott of Patterson Law, his firm represents more than a dozen families of the 22 victims in the mass shooting. Um, and he joins me now. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. So it came as a bit of, I mean, I knew this recording was out there, but it did come as a surprise, I think, to any casual observer about the timing of the release, because it comes after everything is done. You can't ask anyone about it. You can't uh, you can't uh, you can't answer any of the questions that or ask any of the questions you may have one answered. Well, that's that's a huge issue, uh, Ben, because obviously um, getting critical evidence after the hearings are over uh, limits our ability to to do anything with it that's constructive. Uh, and it's left us with a number of questions about um, why this wasn't produced earlier. Um, there's some indication that the RCMP has known about it for some time, and we're expecting the MCC to at least follow up on on those issues so we can get some clarification. What did you hear in there? I mean, a lot of the focus has been on this whole notion of interference, uh, but there were other things going on in that conversation that may have been even more uh, even more relevant to to you. Well, I mean, all of it's relevant um, to the extent that what you're getting a, a picture of is 
what priorities both H Division and National Headquarters are focusing on in the days immediately of following following the uh, you know the worst mass shooting in, in Canadian history. So uh, you're certainly getting a sense that there are problems with communication between Nova Scotia and National Headquarters and and different uh, management problems that would have impacted Nova Scotians and our clients, but also this prioritization on. Um, how they're being portrayed in the media and their, you know, their their public communications, you know, these are things that that strike us as being a bit unusual given uh, the fact that we would think that they would have higher priorities at the time, like dealing with uh, the situation itself. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make for easy listening. I would imagine for those who who were so, who were still in shock at the time to listen to um, members of the RCMP talk about how they're being perceived publicly. Uh, it, you know, it's not perhaps surprising at the same time to hear it like that must have been jarring. Well, I, th- I think it was surprising, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I've been doing this for a while and um, and I think we expect it to some extent, you know, in, in political spheres. I don't think anyone would be surprised to learn that the RCMP is concerned sometimes about how they're being portrayed. It's just the, the, the extent to which it seems to be a focus uh, in the wake of such an important event. You would think that they would sort of deprioritize uh, the the PR issues and focus on the policing issues, at least in the immediate aftermath. So I, I think we were all genuinely surprised when you when you heard from uh, as I mentioned, a lot of the talk had been about whether or not there was political political interference there from the RCMP's commissioner. Uh, what did you hear from Brenda Lucky in that conversation? What was your what was your take on it? Well, to some extent, um, it, it accorded with what she told us when she testified. And as much as it wasn't just about information on the guns, it also included her concerns about not getting accurate and timely information uh, on other matters that she had requested a map and a chronology. I mean, those things were there with respect to the um, to the political interference issue specifically. Uh, what was notable is that she confirms that it was a request that she got from the minister uh, and that she had asked for a particular line to be included regarding information on the guns. And that is a bit tricky to reconcile with what she told us when she testified, which was that she had no interest in whether that information was reported or not. She simply wanted to know one way or the other. So that that was certainly notable. Yeah, I mean, I think the exact words were, does anybody realize what's going on in the world of handguns and guns right now, which strikes me as being uh, a uh, quite the reprimand, because I would think H Division were fully aware of what's going on in the world of handguns and guns, maybe not the, all the political implications of it. Uh, but then she goes on to say the fact that they're in the middle of trying to get legislation going. Um, it, it does sound like there's a lot of politics going on not long after the worst mass shooting in Canadian history. Well, I think what's what's galling for the clients is that particular ban uh, on on particular models of firearms has absolutely nothing to do with what happened here in Nova Scotia. And regardless of your position on on firearms, one of the things that that was striking to to my clients at least was um, if you were serious about trying to prevent crimes like this in the future, you know that legislation wasn't it. But it seems to be that there was some some desire to. Uh, and it's a bit ghoulish, but to, mm-hmm. to sort of capitalize on this event as a way of tapping into sort of the, the public outrage about what happened. But it, it can be quite offensive to the families. These are real people, and this doesn't help them in any way. If you really wanted to focus on things like smuggling of, of firearms and all those sorts of things, 
all the information about how the perpetrator got uh, a hold of ammunition and firearms was reasonably well known by this point. So it's it's somewhat disingenuous to to then make this about you know well we've got this legislation pending and this could be good for it you know that and that's what it certainly sounds like from the recording. Yeah, is that how I mean? And ghoulish is the right word. I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time covering Ottawa. It's you know, one is never surprised by the things that are said in the halls of power, regardless of what's going on in the world or regardless of what's happened. Um, so I guess perhaps that's why I wasn't as shocked by that conversation because it sounds like something that would be had in the hallways in Ottawa. But I imagine if you're on the other side of it, if you're from one of the families, the idea that somehow this tragedy was being used or at least looked at as an opportunity or at least uh, a situation where you could not talk about it seems insensitive at the very least. And I think ghoulish is the right word. Is that how it's being seen by the families? Yes. And it, and it confirms sort of their, their worst concerns about the fact that, you know, while we may expect to hear that in, in Ottawa or for people that are running for office, we expect that in, in times like this thing, you know, when we're talking about the, the period immediately afterwards, that people involved in the RCMP would be focused on policing and the remarkable focus on PR and strategic communications and public perception. And we're, you know, we're being chewed up in the media and how does this impact the the legislative objectives of the liberal government? You know, what you don't hear in that conversation is any discussion about the investigation or scene security or policing to the extent that we expect certain things from politicians. I think in a lot of ways, most of us expect more and better from the RCMP. Michael Scott is our guest this half hour. He's a lawyer with Patterson Law. He represents uh, more than a dozen of the families of the 22 victims in the mass shootings in Nova Scotia. We're talking about the release uh, just yesterday of a recording of a conversation between RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky as well as several members of H Division in uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, following the shooting. And uh, a lot of a lot of accusations about uh, the fact that there was political interference going on here, that the RCMP commissioner had been talking about uh, specifically mentioning uh, gun legislation that the Liberal government was very keen on having put on uh, having seen be seen to be put out there, at least. And the, and the pushback when it wasn't, in fact, it only came up in the Q&A session afterwards with reporters. Uh, the commissioner was not happy with that. Uh, when you heard what you heard and given uh, that she testified, uh, the commissioner did testify at the at the inquiry, do you think she can stay on? Well, I think that's that's a decision for uh, for for others. Um, I do like to to try to keep into account that we're only getting one part of the conversation. What we were provided the other day is uh, obviously not the full uh, call. We'd like to know where the rest of that call is, uh, and if it's not available, why not? And we also don't know what the communications are uh, or were between. The commissioner and the minister. I mean, those things would be, you know, useful. Um, the the unfortunate part here is that we would be able to probably uh, determine the political interference issue pretty clearly had we received this information earlier, because then people like me would have an opportunity to question the commissioner about it and uh, Chris Leather and Darren Campbell and Leah Scanlon. But you recall we didn't get to address much of this with with any of them because of the way disclosure was provided. So. Uh, certainly, I think people should be concerned about the level of politics that are being involved um, in a discussion between the RCMP. That that should be of concern. Whether you know Minister Blair acted improperly in that scenario or not, I don't know that we have enough information to uh, to make that call. How important of an issue is it? 
this idea of political interference, whether there was or not. Um, it seems from the outside like it might be secondary for what the families want to hear out of this commission, what the families hope this commission would achieve. Uh, is that right? I mean, it, it certainly chewed up a lot of headlines, uh, but I always wondered whether or not it mattered that deeply to the families themselves. No, that's a good question. And there's definitely been a narrative going around that uh, that this is a distraction and that this takes away from uh, the important work for the families and those sorts of things. What I can tell you on behalf of the families is we do think it's relevant. Uh, and we think it's relevant because the, the key matter in this inquiry is in looking at the RCMP and the government response to the mass casualty. And to the extent that we have a situation that reveals a fairly significant amount of dysfunction between H Division and National Headquarters and an inability to focus on the policing tasks in favor of perhaps more uh, or less relevant issues like, you know, political agendas or internal politics or, you know, public relations. All of those things inform uh, how the RCMP investigated and dealt with the mass casualty. So to the extent that that those resources were being used and you have the most senior people in the RCMP that are focused on issues other than the mass casualty. Uh, I think that speaks directly to, you know, why we asked for this inquiry was to, to find out where the systemic uh, problems are within these organizations. Um, and if there's any adjustment that needs to be made to the way they prioritize. What would you, I mean, we're still a ways from seeing this final report. Um, what now for you, for the families, this is a waiting period, I suppose. You're just waiting to see what comes out in the spring? Well, it's supposed to be, um, but that's not the way it, it, it's it's come out. So uh, after the commission asked for its extension to provide its report in, I suppose, it'd be the beginning of April, we should be doing very little at this point because public proceedings ended back on September 23rd. The unusual circumstance we find ourselves in now is that after public proceedings have closed, we've received a great deal of further disclosure, particularly from the Department of Justice, including this recording. So the conversations that we're having now is, how do I deal with it? How do I interact with it? How do I uh, follow up on issues that have been raised? Um, what action is the Mass Casualty Commission going to take to address failures by the Department of Justice to comply with subpoenas. It, it is, I don't know if I can stress how unusual it is to be getting all of this information after proceedings have closed. So um, I don't entirely know what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months, but certainly over the next couple of weeks, um, there'll be continuing conversations with the MCC about what do we do with this? What are the implications? Uh, do we need further information? And why? why are we only getting these things now? You know, if I was in your shoes, if I was in the family's shoes, I would struggle to to be able to be confident that this commission has served its purpose. I think I can say, I try to be as, as fair about these things, but I think it would be fair to say that, you know, very few of my clients um, have full faith in the commission. And that's not uh, simply as a result of, of this particular issue or issues that have arisen recently. I mean, really from day one uh, on... A, a wide variety of issues. We, we've had some concerns about the way the uh, the commission was handled. It, it is abundantly clear that the Mass Casualty Commission, the Commissioners, Commissioner Can uh, Commission Council, have a very different view of how a public inquiry should be run. 
And we've had to deal with not being able to examine witnesses. We've had problems with disclosure. Uh, we've often debated how certain issues are prioritized over others. We certainly heard from a lot of experts on things that may not be as important as things that that my clients think are important. So it would be fair to say that for a whole host of reasons, the clients are uh, are fairly skeptical about um, what's going to come out of this. Well, Michael Scott, uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much.